John chapter 15, verse 1, if you have it, say amen. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Somebody say, take away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, abide in him. Then you may be seated. I just want to give you this quick message here this morning. Prayerfully, it's quick. I can go for days on this one when it comes to abiding. There's a lot of great things when it comes to abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ is one of the most important lessons that you as a Christian must learn. You have to learn this principle. If you do not learn this principle of abiding in him, I would dare say you can find yourself in an eternal death. Are you probably saying, well, pastor, is that scriptural? Oh, it's very scriptural. We're about to see it right now. Abiding is very important. The word itself, abiding, is a verb. In other words, it's an action. Somebody say action. The word abiding means to continue, remain, or to dwell, live, or to lodge. We then can say that to abide in Christ is to remain and continue in him and to dwell in Christ. See, when Jesus tells us to abide in him, it's for a very good reason, and we see it here in this portion of Scripture. See, abiding, why is it so important? Is because abiding in Christ directly affects our work and our responsibilities. Abiding in Christ, or even the lack thereof, directly affects our eternal living space. Abiding in Christ directly affects our communication, and it even affects our walk with God. In other words, it's critical to abide in Him. You must live in Him. Tell your neighbor, live in Him. We find that it's so important that the abiding relationship that Jesus had with his father, which energized and it even defined his very ministry. Even in John chapter 10, when he was confronted with the religious leaders, and he, he was looked like he was blaspheming uh, himself by calling himself the son of God. This is what I love. In John chapter 10, verse 37, it says this. This is a great scripture that talks about this. It says, if I do not do the works of my father... Do not believe me. But if I do, though, you must then believe me. Believe, or mu must not believe me, but believe the works. That you may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I am in him. What is it saying when he's being, being confronted with this? Basically, the scripture is saying, ha, gotcha. Because, look, you don't have to believe me. Believe the works. 
Because I got to be connected to something. In other words, I just don't do this of my own uh, 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 admission. I don't do this by accident. There's something flowing through me. Oh, you're such a nice guy. No, I'm not. God's nice. He's just flowing through me. Oh, you're such a great person. Actually, I'm not. I'm a horrible person. But because God is flowing through me, you're seeing the works and the effect. Are you hearing me here today? Abide in him, and it's going to show. See, that's why I said earlier today, if God is in your heart, it should show on your face. Is God really there? Then he should be here. Jesus loves you. Yeah, I got Jesus too. When you're abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine, love, joy, joy, an everlasting joy. You know, I'm, I'm praying this, this holiday season, not that you get a great gift under the tree, but you get a great, great gift in your heart called joy, an eternal, everlasting joy. In John chapter 14, verse 10, when Philip asked Jesus to show them the Father, Jesus said this, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. In other words, I didn't do anything. It wasn't anything of what I can do. This was God inside of me. Whenever people see the greatness or the goodness of what we're able to accomplish, it's not me, but it is God. It's God. As long as I abide in him. See, Jesus had an intimate abiding relationship with the Father. And if this relationship was necessary for Jesus and his ministry, then, my friend, it's necessary for you and I. If Jesus had to do it and be strong in it, then how much more you and I? This was actually Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, verse 21. I'm giving you a lot of scripture here. This is very important. In verse 21 of the 17th chapter of John, it says, That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. In other words, when people see you, they, do they believe that what you said is going to come true? Jesus is coming back. Well, how can I tell by what you're doing right now? I'll believe your tomorrow if how you're living today. Right? That's what Jesus was saying. He said, okay, fine. You're going to believe my tomorrow because you can see that I'm abiding in him. You can see that I'm living with him. Are you guys hearing me today? See, this is very important because what I talked about last week, if you were here last week, I talked about get out. Matter of fact, if you weren't here last week, you need to get out right now. I'm just kidding. Don't get out. Stay here. Because we're talking about things that need to get out of our lives, but here today we're talking about something that needs to get into our lives abiding in him. See, when we learn to abide in Christ, he's going to provide the life and strength that we need to live productive and even effective lives. But even more, we can experience intimate fellowship with God and become a part of his family. Now, this is what I love, because being a part of God's family is a great privilege, and we even get great power that comes with that. See, our only problem is that while the, all these privileges and all this power is ours, we don't know how to enjoy them most of the time because we haven't learned how to abide in Christ. See, the more we share Christ's life and let him share ours, the more we'll enjoy all the full benefits of being a branch of Christ. 
attached to the vine, members of his body, and we share in his grace. Can I hear an amen? See, abiding in Christ is important. It's imperative. And in these two verses of John chapter 15, matter of fact, the first two verses, there are two important aspects to abiding in the relationship that we need to know. Number one, you need to know this. Jesus is the vine. He says, I am the true vine. Now, why did he say this? Let's look at the context of the scripture. At the, when he was sharing this scripture, it was the end of Passover. And from the time they left in John chapter 14 all the way to John chapter 18, they walked through this valley called the Kidron Valley. And they passed through the eastern gate, taking them by the temple. Now, why was this important? This was important because when they would travel through there, there was a golden vine that would adorn the temple. And as the golden vine was there, when they would travel there, it was a familiar symbol to them, to the nation of Israel. So whenever they saw the vine, they saw the symbol of hope. They saw the symbol that brought them strength. So now here's Jesus saying, look, look, look. Everything that you see in the vine, you see in me. Everything that you're looking for over there is right here. Everything you're trying to obtain out there, I have it inside of me. If you would just abide in me. In Psalms chapter 80, verse 80 says, you have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. Even in verses 14 through 16, the psalmist says, return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit the vine and the vineyard which your right hand has planted. And the branch that you made strong for yourself. Your vine is cut down, in verse 16, and it is burned with fire. Now, as I read this scripture, I said, man, that's kind of disturbing here, if you think about it. In the book of Psalms, he's talking about casting out, getting rid of things. And then here's Jesus, again, later on, thousands of years later, sharing the same thing, but saying that he is the vine. And that's kind of disturbing to see that if you don't abide in me, you're going to be cut off. I don't know about you, but that's a little scary. That's a little scary. See, this is where you could tell the difference. You ever notice and seen people when they accept a Grammy or they accept an Oscar or they accept any award, right? They accept an award, and they come up and they get behind the podium and say, well, first and foremost, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because without this video of me cussing and shaking everything that I've got, getting all the money, I could have never had this done, Right? Attaining all this worldly wealth. And so right away, for those that abide in Christ, you look right away and you go, yeah, you ain't living with Christ. Right? Because you can tell. You can see those who are abiding in him. I'm a Christian, but you live like a demon. You can tell. See, this is a harsh thing. Like, Oh, pastor, that's cold. Well, don't take it up with me. That's what the Bible is saying right here. He's saying, look, if you're going to abide in me, you're going to bear fruit. And I'm just going to make this clear. If you're not going to bear any fruit, well, then what good are you trying to be attached to me? That's basically what he's saying. That's really what he's saying right here. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of a little bit, you know, disheartening. That's a little concerning, right? But even the prophet Hosea in Hosea chapter 10, even he brings this prophecy out. He says, Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. See, it's not that they weren't bearing any fruit. It's the fruit that they were bearing was a selfish fruit. It was all about themselves. In other words, they were living for them instead of for God. 
Even the prophet Isaiah talked about Israel being the vine as well. And while God planted it in the choicest place, expecting it to bring forth fruit, instead it produced wild and poisonous fruit. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 5. A lot of scriptures here. It says this, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or even dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain, that no rain would come on it. So basically what is happening here, Jesus is using the symbol for Israel as the vine and using it for himself. He was literally transferring all the privileges, all the benefits, all the responsibilities to himself as the nation of Israel. And then right here, he says, if you want all those great things, then you must abide in me. All the things that you want. You want rain? Abide in me. You want promises? Abide in me. You want all the great things that you've heard about of what the scriptures of people talk about heaven? Well, then, okay, but first, abide in me. Tell your neighbor, abide in him. See, Jesus was saying, in order to have an effective, fruitful, eternal life, then you no longer have to be connected to a religion or denomination. You don't have to be connected to that. You need to be connected to me. If you're connected to me, I'll put you in your place. Are you hearing me? See, this is very important. That's why a lot of people, a lot of times, when you invite them to church, the first thing they see is religion. That's why it's real tough to get people to come to church. Religion, religion, religion. But those of us that are connected, we always say, no, it's not a religion. It's a, because those who abide understand relationship. Those who are in Christ understand that, hey, I need to have some intimacy with my God. See, my Lord and my Savior is not a religion. He is my everything. I'm not here. I don't come to church because I have to. I come to church because I want to. See, no longer is the nation of Israel associated with outside observing just the law, but rather connected to the Father through Jesus, believing in him, connected with him. See, no longer... Do we have to worry about the tablets of stone of the law? But now we have the tablets written on our hearts. Saying that, man, everything that God has called me to do, I want to do. It's not I have to do. Did you hear these men when they were up here? They said, man, I can't wait. Man, I want to fulfill the call. Man, the, the word of the Lord. They were, these guys were sharing the word of the Lord, right? They weren't just sharing, well, you know, Pastor Greg told me if I do this, then I can graduate the home. Well, as long as I do this, and I'll, no, no, no. They were saying, no, the word of the Lord is upon my heart, and I want to fulfill the call of God. See, when the word of the Lord is right here, you're not trying to reason it right here, but you're saying, God, because it's right here, and you abide in me, and I abide in you, God, I want to do everything that I can for you. You are my everything. My car broke down. That's okay. My kids aren't listening. That's all right. My wife, I feel like blessing her with this hand right now. But I'm not going to. Why? Because I'm abiding in him. I feel like telling her off or telling him off, but I'm not going to because I abide in him. It's not that you can't. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. 
people always ask me, well, pastor, can I do this? I always, you know what my answer most of the time is? You can do what you want. Why are you asking me? I'm not God. Do whatever you want. If you have a relationship with God, your questions will get less. All right, I'll, I'll put it this way. Let me rephrase that. Your surface questions will get less. Your surface questions. Because everybody has surface questions. Can I do this? Can I do that? Look, do whatever you want. That's fine. It, you could do that. If you want to do it, go for it. Go and do that. But if you want to get a little bit deeper, okay, now that's something a little bit different. Now we get, let, let's get an abiding relationship question. What, are, what does the word of God mean when it says this? Oh, that's different right there. Now let's, let's really get involved. Let's, let's abide together. Let's live together. Can I hear an amen? The second thing is that you got to realize is that the Bible says that the Father is the vine dresser. See, no longer are the religious leaders in this capacity where they, put, they have to put everything together. No longer are they the caretakers. But Jesus points out the Father alone. And he alone will tend to the vineyard, pruning and cleansing the branches to produce true fruitfulness. Now, I can imagine the branches, if, when they see the vine dresser coming, they, they probably don't see the vine dresser as a gentle, warm, loving, caring vine dresser. But branches, when they see the vine dresser, they see Edward Scissorhands. Coming for me. It's going to hurt. Well, if you're bearing fruit, good. It's supposed to. If you want to bear more fruit, you can't just look. Oh, look at the fruit I've had for 10 years. If, if Look, at, if I had an apple here right now that I said, man, this was the best apple 10 years ago. Would you want to eat it? Why? Because it's not fresh. You know how to have, how to have fresh apples? Fresh pears, you go to the tree and you cut some things. You want freshness? Some of you are in a stagnant place, you need something cut. Some of you feel dry, you need something cut. Well, I'm not doing You need something cut. When the vine dresser comes, get ready because something's going to get, something's going to get cut. See, this is exactly what the vine dresser was there to do and he's even here to do now. The vine dresser not to hurt the plant, but to grow it healthy and produce larger and even more beautiful fruit. This is the key. Every year. Every year. The vine dresser would come annually, making sure that the fruit that was for this year stays this year. I hope you guys catch that right there. The fruit that you bore this year is going to stay this year. If you're going to go into 2018 and bear the fruit, then you need to cut some other fruit right now. What? That's messed up. That's how it works. There's a process right here in this verse. Number one, this is the process that the vine dresser does. Are you ready? The first thing he does is he removes unfruitful branches. Removes unfruitful branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The wording takes away brings it with the idea of being removed forcefully. Somebody say forcefully. See, in caring for fruit-bearing plants, it's important that we remove those branches that do not bear fruit so that they don't take away any vital nutrients. 
any vital nutrients. Now, this is very important. As I was studying this, there's vineyards that some vine dressers, they go to some trees that they don't bear a lot of fruit, and they find that some of these trees that aren't bearing a lot of fruit, there's a term that they have for vine dressers. It's called sucker shoots. Sucker shoots. In other words, these are branches that are not bearing any fruit, but they're sucking up all the nutrients to the other branches that are trying to bear fruit. Sucker shoots. They just suck it up. Bunch of suckers. This is to me, Victory Hour Chart. You need to be aware of the suckers that are around your life. Because they're sucking up all that prayer time. Sucking up all that fellowship time. Sucking up all that worship time. All the time that you could be spending with God Almighty, with your Lord and Savior, with your everything, with your master, with your love, with, with the one who created you. But it's sucking up your time. Sucking up all those news, just sucking up all that. See, you come here and you say, man, I love it when pra pastor preaches the word. You know what I love as a pastor? I love when you live the word. But in order to live the word, just don't listen to me preach the word. You must then read the word, meditate on the word, and absorb the word. Because if not, that's why many times you got a lot of people here, they just come and they just suck it up. I'm not talking like, come on, suck it up. You're a man. I'm talking like, dude, you're sucking up all my nutrients right now. Right? You ever, you ever notice that? You ever been in prayer before? Right? You're all in prayer. Like, you go, oh, Father, right now I need you. And somebody comes like, hey, they're really not doing anything. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I just wanted to ask you a question. Oh, my gosh. Did, did you? It's a good thing I was in prayer because I was about to lay hands on you right now. See, the Bible says when it comes to praying, there's a reason why they call it a prayer closet. Now, it could be a literal or figurative prayer closet. But the reason why is because the Bible says when you go into your prayer closet, close the door. Now, it could be a literal one. Maybe get one there in your house where you can close the door. Or a figurative one. In other words, close everybody else out of your life that doesn't need to be there. If they don't need to be there, hey, hey, hey look. We're, we're, I'm talking right now. You know what's funny is that I've found that people on a phone sometimes are more important than Jesus himself. You ever notice that? Like, oh, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Hey, how you doing? All right, yeah. Oh, no, I wasn't doing anything. No, I wasn't talking to anybody. No big deal. He understands, right? You got, the, you got this, right, God? Sucking up all the nutrients. Sucking up all that time. Sucking up all that grace. Sucking up all that mercy. You know what I found as well? Even the other one, you could flip it around and say, well, I'm not sucking it up. But listen, when it comes to bearing fruit, are you a person that sucks up all of God's grace and all of God's mercy and gives him nothing back? Are you bearing the fruit of God, the love, the joy, the peace, the health, the goodness, the kindness? You know what I found? I, 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 I kind of, I mean, I was kind of, going to stay away from this, but I'm going to say it anyways because it's in the scripture. I find it so disheartening whenever I see Christians who kind of discourage other Christians who are kind. That gets on my nerves. 
Like, it's almost like everybody who's a Christian has to be like, yeah, all right, yeah. Like, dude, like, chill, bro. Chill, sis. You know, like, come on. Because actually, a fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Matter of fact, the Bible says, a kind answer turns away wrath. Not a violent answer. You're going to yell at me? Well, I'm going to yell at you. Okay, you can do that. But a kind word, a kind spirit, a gentle spirit. So some of us, listen, we have been wrathful and vengeful for so long. It's about time you got to learn how to be gentle and kind. Learn how. You should try that. Just learn it. It's a fruit of the spirit. It's funny how we don't talk about that a lot. But kindness and gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. That's your fruit. That ain't my fruit. Okay, if that's going to be you, then you're sucking up all my nutrients. Get away from me. Because I'm trying to be gentle. I'm trying to be kind. I'm doing my best. Believe me, I'm not always gentle. I'm not always kind. But, man, I need to be. I want to be. That's the thing. That's my desire. I want to be kind. I don't want somebody to cut me off on the freeway and go, man, you know what? I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. But, man, because I don't have enough pieces to give away, I need to keep them. I got to learn how to be gentle. I got to learn how to love. I got to learn the joy. Listen, some of you, this holiday season, you got to really learn what peace is. You know what the Bible says? It says, blessed are the peacemakers. That doesn't say blessed are the quiet. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. You know what a peacemaker is? A peacemaker can go into a violent situation and say, hey, that's for me and my house. I'm going to serve the Lord. But if you don't like it, the dead branches are outside. That's what a peacemaker is, right? See, a lot of us think, oh, the peacemakers are kind, they're quiet. No, you got to know when to do all these things. And a peacemaker sometimes is somebody that can go into a violent situation and say, hey, God is not in here. God's not in this. I'm hearing the talk. I'm feeling the spirit. God's not in this. We're going to bring God in this. I don't care who. No, no, no. We're going to bring God in this. And I'm going to stand right here. As for me in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. See, what I love about the vine dresser is Jesus. He comes in and he cuts some things that don't need to be there. Listen to me. If you're going through a painful situation right now, don't think, oh, man, God, he needs to deliver me. Actually, it could be God being the one that put you in that situation. He's probably trying to get some things out of your life. Say, man, God, why is this happening? God's saying, open up your hands. God, I will open up my hands, but it hurts. God, open up your hands. You need to listen. God, okay, I will, but as soon as you just help me, God, I want to help you. Open up your hands. Okay, I will. It's like, man, open up your hands and let it go. But, God, you don't understand what they did to me. Let it go. But, God, you all oh, let it go. If you go ahead and you do that to them, then I, just let it go. God's coming in, and he's trying to cut some things. He's the vine dresser. So if it hurts, guess what? Good. On behalf of God, good. I'm glad it hurts. I'm glad it's painful. You know why? Because in the next season, you're about to bear a bunch of fruits. God is doing something inside of you right now that you have never seen before. Listen to me, my friend. Victory over time. Don't be a sucker shoot. Be a branch that bears fruits. Be somebody that says, hey, I know this hurts. I know I'm going through it. I know I don't have it all together, but God is doing something inside of me for this new season, and I cannot wait to bear some fruit. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. The second thing he does, and the last thing I close with this, is that he prunes 
fruitful branches. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. See, you may be thinking there isn't a whole lot of fruit on your branch. But the point is, however, that you have some. And the Father prunes it so that you can produce bigger and better fruit. See, pruning is cutting back the branch so it can consolidate its efforts to produce more fruit. You know what the word prune means? The word prune means to make clean. Somebody say, to make clean. Tell your neighbor, to make clean. See, and so when God prunes us, he is forgiving us and cleansing us from all unrighteousness, which stops us from bearing fruit. See, our abiding in Christ involves our need to be continually cleaned. But even when we fail to allow God to do this cleansing, it doesn't mean we lost fellowship or are no longer a part of God's family. That's very important. I want to make sure we understand that. Just because God is pruning you doesn't mean that he's kicking you out of the family. Are you hearing me? This is very important. The other day, it was raining really hard. I went and picked up my children, and I had my kids with me. Now, I have four wonderful, beautiful, crazy children. Now, it's raining down hard. We come in. I come into the driveway, and as I come into the driveway, my first crazy kid who loves the rain recognizes it and sees it as an opportunity. So what does he do? He opens the door, gets right out. He sees puddles, and he's, wah, he's jumping in the puddles, and he's going all around, and he's got the mud, and the thing is, he, he sees the mud, and he's like, yeah. And he knows to do it quickly because I haven't gotten out of the car yet. Now, mind you, it's still raining. So when I get in, you know, I park the car. I turn the car. I have to get all my stuff. So he's already, yeah, he's doing this thing. He's jumping. He's moving. He's, like, ah. he's got his jacket. He threw it off. And he's like, ah, ah. And I get out the car and I go, Elijah! If you didn't know it was him by now, he's another. Let's get in the house. He's like, what? It's raining. It's raining. And then there's Mariah. She's falling into It's raining. It's raining. Oh. What in the world are these kids doing? Get in the house. It's raining. And if you remember the other day, it was pouring. Pouring hard. These kids were loving it. And I'm like, oh, my God, get in the house. So we get in the house, and we go in there. And right away, there's food already there. that's there on the table that was prepared. So we go in there. I'm like, man, take it off my jacket. And I go there, and I sit down, and I begin to eat. And here comes Elijah, and he is dirty, wet from head to toe, just messed up. Like, hey, hey, and he goes on there. I mean, dirty hands, dirty face, everything is all dirty. Like, hey, hey, He's, and he just looks at me like, what? You said to come eat. So what did I do? Because I'm a loving, caring father, go upstairs, take off your clothes, get in the shower, and put on some new clothes, and then come back down and you can eat. I didn't tell him, oh, man, you're so dirty. You're not my son anymore. I told him, no, 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 no. You can partake of the food when you go get cleaned. 
as a father, I must prune my children. And I have to tell them, it doesn't mean that you're not my son. It's just at this very moment, you cannot partake of the promise that I have set for you because there's some things that need to be getting off of your life. You still think a certain way. You got a stinking thinking. You need to get rid of that thing. Oh, no, no, the promise is there. Don't worry. It's not going anywhere. But you need, to, you need to go somewhere with that. You need to get into your prayer closet and don't come out until you stop thinking like that. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? See, it's, it's the pruning of God. When he says, no, 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 go over there. Get, go, go back over there until you say, well, it's, not her, it's her fault. No, it's not her fault. Actually, it's your fault. You were the one that got in the mud. Now get over there and take a Holy Ghost shower and don't come out here until you put on some new clothes. And the moment you get your new clothes and you get a new mind and you're a new creation, then I'm ready. I got great promises for you. I got powerful uh, responsibility and great thing, a great call for your life. But I got to prune you. I know it hurts. I know it's not what you're used to doing. But you got to get pruned. You got to get cleaned. Clean your mind. Listen to me. Some of you. You've been wrong for so long. You have been messed up for so long. God's just trying to clean you. Why God doing this? Why, 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 can't I just, why can't I just date her? Why can't I just date him? Because your way of dating is horrible. The only dating you know is R. Kelly, and it's not good. If your life lessons are from a movie screen and you're trying to put the movie screen onto these streets right here, it doesn't work. Newsflash, the movie is only for an hour and 15 minutes, but this is for life. Don't take, uh, you know, dating advice from a guy who sings what's going on and then the next moment he sings let's get it on. He doesn't know what he's trying to get. Well, how does this work? Should we just do it like this? No, 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 no. Listen, look it. I know, you see, some of you still got that Marvin Gaye in you. You still got that Otis Redding. Oh, man, listen. It may make your body move, but it shouldn't make your spirit move. It's the reason why God's saying, get in the closet and don't come out until you're clean. You need to abide in me so I can abide in you. You got questions? Good. I'm glad you got questions. But don't abide in me as the pastor. Don't abide in the church as your Savior. Abide in him. I know you got questions. I, I've only been married 12 years. I still got questions. Now, keep my wife in prayer. Sometimes she has good days. Sometimes she has bad days. She's not feeling all that great. But my other son, you know, he, he's actually, uh, I think it's uh, Stevie. or I think Stevie's sick right now. Keep us in prayer because for those of you that have multiple children, you know, once one gets sick, there he goes. So keep us in prayer. I, I don't want to go down like that. I'm going to have to Heisman my children right now. You know. I love you. No kisses right now. I love kissing my kids, but man, sickness and in health, not right now. I'm still learning. I need to get in my prayer closet many times. Say, God, look, if I'm still thinking like I was when I was 16, God, I, help me to change that. I, I don't want to think like that. If I'm still thinking like that as a single man, uh, help me. I don't want to think like that. 
If I'm still thinking like I wish I won the lottery kind of guy with my tithes and offerings, I don't want to think like that. Like you, I, I want to change my way of thinking. Finances, fatherhood, marriage, pastoring, shepherding, leading, following. Ho- however, I gotta, I, I gotta get rid of some things. Don't find it strange if you're man. This hurts. Could be God trying to clean you, trying to get that old you out of there. But you know what the crazy thing about it is when it comes to the piano? The Bible says that when it comes to those old things, see, a lot of us, we always think, God, take it from me. Right? God, if you would just take these desires, that would actually be contrary to his word. Because he won't do that. He's giving you free will. And the Bible actually says that he'll give you the desires of your heart. So be very careful what you're desiring. So the Bible doesn't actually say he's going to take that. The Bible actually says you must give it. When you abide in the vine, he gives you so that you can give him. He gives you grace and mercy. You give him all this other junk, all this other no good for nothing, messed up 15-year-old, 20-year-old, old you. Give it to him. It's not that those things didn't happen. Okay, it happened. When you were 15, it happened to you. Some of you guys, you've had a lot of stuff happen to you when you were a kid that nobody knows about. And it hurt. It still hurts to this day. Like, oh, and you don't want to get rid of it. You can hold on to it, but it's very difficult to bear any fruit. God wants you to bear fruit, but the only way to do that is got to cut some things. And then there's even some people around you. They might be sucker shoots, right? They're just sucking up all the... In that time. That's one of the reasons why we say, man, you should come to church. We don't say come to church because you have to. We say come to church because we want to feed you the nutrients. This will help you. So that's why when you have other people, ah, don't worry about church. It's no big deal. Church is a big deal. It really is a big deal. I've learned that for me. Because if not, remember, I come from a family. Many of you, you come from a family. Alcoholics, drug addicts. So guess what that means? What's easy for me to do? Alcoholics, drug addict. I could do that. No problem. Go see my, my cousins right now. Easily I could become an, uh, an alcoholic overnight. I could. Some of you, you don't even need overnight. You could be night. Just like that. Boom. So I know for me, somebody once said, you must feed the good in you because the bad grows naturally. You got to feed it. Feed it. Help me. Take anything out that doesn't need to. Help me get rid of this thing. Rid myself of slander. Rid myself of envy. Rid myself of jealousy. Rid myself of malice, the Bible says. Get rid of these things. Some of these things you got to get rid of. You know what you got to do? What it says to get rid of, saying throwing out, you know what it is? You got to treat it like an old boyfriend. Get out of here. You don't belong here. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to look at you. I don't even want you breathing my nutrient air. That's what you got to do. Just treat it like an ex. It doesn't belong here. It's an ex for a reason. I'm not talking about a man or woman. I'm talking about some things of the spirit. You're an ex-drug addict. You're not a drug addict. Get rid of that thing. Alcohol, get rid of that thing. You don't need to be around here. Gambler, get rid of that thing. Whatever it is, get rid of that thing. It's not you anymore. It's not you anymore. This is who you are. 
doesn't mean you didn't mess up. Yeah, sure, you messed up. You had some things done to you, but if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. If you will be right here with me, then I will live with you. God inhabits. I want to live. I want to dwell. I want to lodge right there with my children. Love being there. Love hanging around them. That's why when the brothers were talking about Pastor Greg and they said, Man, Pastor Greg's right with it, right there with us. Being a director of a men's home, you're there 24-7 living with the guys. That's a lot of work, man. A lot of work. Living right there with the men. So that when they bring up all their hang-ups and all their mess-ups, he can't go, oh, man, these guys are too much. He goes in the room, and they just knock on the door. Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg. What? Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg. And I get that because they're trying to abide. They see where the goodness comes from. And as long as Pastor Greg is filling himself, he'll be able to fill the other guys. You as a leader, you as a Christian, you as a father, you as a mother, you as a husband, you as a wife. You want to be a good husband? You want to be a good wife? Don't abide in her. Abide in him. You'll be a good husband for her if you abide in him. You'll be a good wife for him if you abide in him. That's how it works. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, for each and every man and woman.